After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awud, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, may Allah be his helper, stated, The disorders during the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him, and the expeditions that were sent against them was being mentioned. In relation to this, the details of the advance of Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, towards Malik bin Nawaira, who was in Buta, have been recorded in the following manner. Buta is the name of a fountain in the area where the Banu Asad dwelled. Malik bin Nuwayra belonged to the Yarbu, a branch of the tribe of Banu Tamim. He travelled to Medina along with his people in the ninth year after Hijrah and accepted Islam. Malik bin Nuwayra was one of the chiefs of his people and was counted amongst the prominent, courageous and skilled horse riders of Arabia. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, entrusted him with the responsibility of collecting the zakat, i.e. the arms, from his people and appointed him as the person to oversee the matters relating to zakat. However, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, passed away, and a wave of apostasy and rebellion arose in Arabia, he was also one of those who turned away from Islam. When the news of the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, reached him, he celebrated with joy and happiness. The women of his household applied henna to their hands, played the drums and expressed their immense joy and happiness. Furthermore, they killed those Muslims belonging to their tribe, who believed in the obligation of the zakat and who were also convinced of sending it to the center of the Muslims, i.e. Medina. It should also be remembered that those who were punished or against whom strict measures were taken, they were those who tried to harm the Muslims. It was not merely on the basis of them becoming apostates. Nevertheless, further details in relation to him are as follows. <laughs> <laughs> 
On the one hand, he refused to pay the zakat and returned the collected zakat to his people. And on the other hand, he joined forces with the rebellious false claimant to prophethood. Sajah, who had set out with an enormous army in order to launch an attack on Medina. Another aspect to remember is that she wanted to attack Medina. Her name was Sajah bint Al-Harith and her filial appellation was Umm Sadir. She was a soothsayer of Arabia and was among the few claimants to prophethood and rebellious chieftains who had appeared a short while before or during the wave of apostasy that arose in Arabia. Sajah belonged to the tribe of Banu Tamim. Her mother's ancestry was linked to the tribe of Banu Taghlib, most of whom were Christians. Sajah was also a Christian and due to her Christian tribe and family, she was a rather scholarly Christian lady. She came from Iraq along with her followers and desired to launch an attack on Medina. According to some historians, Sajah entered Arabia under a scheme of the Persians in order to investigate the circumstances and to lend some support to the declining power of the Iranian government. Nevertheless, being influenced by these factors, Sajah entered the Arabian Peninsula. It was natural for her to first go to her tribe of Banu Tamim. One party was ready to pay the zakat and obey the Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, another party was opposing them. There was a third party which was unsure what to do. Nevertheless, this disagreement became so severe that the people of Banu Tamim started disputing, fighting and killing one another. In the meantime, these tribes heard of the arrival of Sajah and they also came to know that Sajah intended to reach Medina and fight the armies of Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. Upon this, their dispute intensified even more. Sajah marched forward with the intention of suddenly approaching the people of Banu Tamim with her enormous army to announce her claim to prophethood and invite them to follow her. She believed the entire tribe would unanimously join forces with her and thus, in similitude to the tribe of Uyayna, the Banu Tamim would also start saying in relation to her that the Prophet of Banu Yarbu is greater than the Prophet of the Quraysh, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as Muhammad, the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has passed away, but Sajah is still alive. Following this, she would march towards Medina along with Banu Tamim. This was her plan, and then to conquer Medina after fighting with the army of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. As it were, Sajah and Malik bin Nuwayra came into contact with one another as well. When Sajah and her army reached the borders of Banu Yarbu, she stopped there, called for the chief of the tribe, Malik bin Nuwayra, 
and invited him to make peace and to accompany her tribe in order to attack Medina. Malik accepted her request to make peace, but he suggested to her to refrain from launching an attack on Medina and said, Before going to Medina and launching an attack on the armies of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, it would be better to remove the opposition from within your tribe. Sajah liked this suggestion and said, As you please, I am merely a woman of Banu Yarbu and will do as you say. Aside from Malik, Sajah invited the other chiefs of Banu Tamim to make peace as well. However, only Waqi' accepted this invitation. As a result of this, Sajah, along with Malik, Waqi' and her army, launched an attack on the other chiefs. A fierce battle broke out, which caused a large number of men to be killed on both sides. And the people of the same tribe captured one another. However, only a short while later, Malik and Waqi' felt they had committed a grave mistake by following this lady. Upon this, they made peace with the other chiefs and returned each other's captives. As a result of this, peace was established among the Banu Tamim. When Sajah realized that it had become difficult for her to achieve her objective, she packed her belongings, left Banu Tamim, and headed towards Medina. When she reached the village of Nibah, she fought with Aus bin Khuzayma. Sajah lost the battle, and Aus bin Khuzayma permitted her to return on the condition that she would pledge not to advance towards Medina. Following this incident, the leaders of the army of the Ahl al-Jazeera gathered at one place and they said to Sajah, What instructions do you give us now? Malik and Muqir have reconciled with their people. They are neither willing to help us, nor will they allow us to pass through their territories. We have entered a covenant with them and now our path towards Medina has been blocked. Tell us what we should do now. Sajah replied, If the path towards Medina has been blocked, then there is nothing to worry about. Head towards Yamama instead. They said, The grandeur and glory of the people of Yamama is greater than ours, and the power of Musaylama has already increased immensely. In another tradition, it is mentioned that when the leaders of her army asked Sajah regarding further actions, she replied, عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْيَمَامَةِ وَدُفُّوا دَفِيفَ الْحَمَامَةِ فَإِنَّهَا غَزْبَةٌ سَرَامَةِ لَا يَلْحَقُكُمْ بَعْدَهَا نَدَامَةِ Meaning head to Yamama and pounce upon them with the swiftness of a dove. There shall a magnificent battle ensue, after which you shall have no regret. Having heard these rhyming couplets, her army, which considered her to be a prophet, believed it to have been revealed to her. They felt that there was no other option for them but to follow her command, i.e. they followed her instructions. After Sajah reached Yamama with her army, Musaylama became very concerned. 
He felt that if he became embroiled in a fight with the army of Sajjah, his power would diminish, the Muslim army would wipe them out, and the neighboring tribes would refuse to pledge their obedience to him. With this in mind, he tried to make peace with Sajjah. At first he sent presents, then he sent word that he wished to meet her, upon which she granted Musaylimah admittance. Musaylimah went to her with 40 men of the Banu Hanifa tribe and spoke to her in private. During this conversation, Musaylimah recited some poetic prose to Sajjah, which greatly impressed her. In response, Sajjah too recited some similar couplets. In order to gain full control over Sajjah and to bring about harmony between them, Musaylimah proposed that they unify their prophethoods and to tie the bonds of matrimony, i.e. be wedded. Sajjah accepted this proposal and returned with Musaylimah to his camp. After remaining there for three days, she returned to her army and discussed with her companions that she found Musaylimah to be in the right, which is why she married him. The people asked if she had settled on a dowry, to which she replied in the negative. They then advised her to return after settling the dowry, for it would be unbefitting for such a figure to be married without a dowry. She therefore returned to Musaylimah, informing him of the purpose of her visit. For her sake, Musaylimah reduced the Fajr and Isha prayers. In other words, he removed and abolished the Fajr and Isha prayers. In relation to the dowry, it was settled that half of the income from the lands of Yamama would be sent to Sajjah. Sajjah demanded that half of the income for the following year be paid up front. Musaylma gave her the amount for half a year, which she took back to Jazeera. She kept some of her men in Banu Hanifa in order to acquire the amount for the remaining half of the year. As was custom, Sajjah remained in Banu Taghlib. She later on repented and it is also recorded that she accepted Islam. According to some, she accepted Islam during the caliphate of Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him until Hazrat Amir Muawiyah sent her with her tribe during the year of the drought to Banu Tamim, where she lived until she died in the state of belief. Hazrat Abu Bakr ordered Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, that after dealing with Tulayha Asadi, he should go and combat Malik bin Nuwayra, who was residing in Buta. When Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, reached Buta, he didn't see anyone there. He did, however, find that when Malik showed some hesitation in his matters, he sent all his compatriots to look after their property and prohibited them from gathering. He understood that it would have been too difficult to combat them. He had already split from his wife. Perhaps this was also a reason. In any case, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, sent out battalions to different locations, instructing them to first give an invitation to Islam wherever they reached. If anyone failed to respond, they were to be held captive, and if anyone fought, they were to be killed. 
Among these battalions was one which, which, which captured Malik bin Nuwayra, along with a few people of the Banu Thalaba bin Yarbu tribe, namely Asim, Uwaid, Arin, and Jafar, and they were brought to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him. One of these battalions, among whom was Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him, had a disagreement amongst themselves. According to one narration from the father of Urwa, that on this occasion, after the mission had been completed, the people bore testimony that when they had said the Adhan and Iqama, i.e. the first and second calls to prayer, and offered the prayer, the people did the same. But some others testified that no such thing happened. Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him, affirmed that they called the Adhan and Iqama and offered the prayer. As a result of this conflict in testimonies, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, imprisoned those people. We find two different narrations with regards to how Malik bin Nuwayra was killed. According to one narration, the cold was so severe that night that nothing could endure it. When the cold intensified further, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, gave instructions to a public announcer who said, Adfi'u asraakum, i.e. keep your captives warm. In other words, arrange for them to be protected from the cold. However, this saying had a different meaning among the Banu Kinana, and the expression would have meant to kill them. The soldiers must have comprehended this expression according to their local usage, as though they had been instructed to kill the prisoners, and so they killed them all. Hazrat Dirar bin Azwar, may Allah be pleased with him, killed Malik bin Nuwayra. According to another narration, it was Abd bin Azwar Asadi who killed him. However, Qalbi states that it was indeed Dirar bin Azwar who killed Malik bin Nuwayra. When news of this disturbance reached Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, he left his tent, but by that time the soldiers had already done away with all the captives. So what else could be done? He said, whatever Allah desires to happen surely comes to pass. In another record, it is mentioned that Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, summoned Malik bin Nuwayra to him. He warned him against siding with Sajah and preventing people from giving zakat, and said to him, Do you not know that zakat is equal to prayer, i.e. the commandments for both are equal, yet you refuse to give zakat? Malik replied, Your companion was of this thought. Instead of saying, The Messenger of Allah, may Allah be pleased with him, was of this thought, he said, Companion or friend. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, then asked, Is he only our companion and not yours? And told Dirar to sever his neck. And so he was beheaded. This is one narration with regards to his death. According to the narration of Tawarikh, Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him, spoke to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, regarding this matter, and they had a dispute. Owing to his disagreement with Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him, left the army and went to Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. He accused Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, of having Malik bin Nuwayra killed whilst he was a Muslim and then marrying his wife. And such a marriage during warfare was not deemed correct amongst the Arabs. Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, also strongly supported the view of Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, greatly expressed his displeasure 
that Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him, had left the army of Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, the commander of the army, without his permission to go to Medina. So he ordered him to return to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him. Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him, returned to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him. Further details of this are mentioned in Tariq Tabari that Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, said to Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, has the blood of a Muslim on his hands, and even if that is not proven, there is enough evidence to have him imprisoned. Malik was indeed killed, but Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, was very insistent in this matter. Seeing as Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, never imprisoned his workers and military commanders, he said, O Umar, remain silent in this matter. Khalid bin Walid has made an, in an error in interpretation, so say no more regarding him. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, then gave the blood money for Malik bin Nuwaira. Hazrat Abu Bakr wrote to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, ordering him to return. He therefore returned and shared all the details in relation to this incident, after which Hazrat Abu Bakr accepted his apology. According to one narration, the incident of Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, arriving in Medina is mentioned as such, that Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, returned to Medina after this mission and entered Masjid Nabwi. When he entered the mosque, Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, said that he had killed a Muslim and taken his wife. He further stated that by God he would stone him to death. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, had not uttered a word, as he assumed that Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, was of the same opinion. He went to Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, explained the entire incident and apologized. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, accepted his apology. Having attained Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him's favor, he stood up. Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, was sitting in the mosque when Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, said to him, O son of Umm Shimla, come to me, what is it you have to say? Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, understood from the manner in which Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, was speaking. That Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, was pleased with him. Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, quietly stood up and returned home without saying a word to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him. According to one narration, Mutammim bin Nuwayra, brother of Malik bin Nuwayra, came to Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, demanding the blood money for his brother and that the captives be released. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, accepted his request to free the captives, had his instructions noted down and paid the blood money for Malik. Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, strongly insisted that Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, be dismissed, stating that his sword has shed the blood of innocent Muslims. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, replied, O Umar, it is not possible that I place that sword back in its sheath, which God Almighty took out of its sheath against the disbelievers. When the blood ransom had been paid, according to the Sharia, justice had been upheld. So there was no need for further action. For this reason, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, stated, Now this case is closed. Regarding the story of Malik bin Nuwayra, and in response to the accusation about his killing, Hazrat Shah Abdul Aziz Delavi has written in his book Tuhfa Ithna Ashariya that in truth 
people have not interpreted this incident correctly. Unless the correct circumstances are understood, it is meaningless to raise allegations. Details of this incident are mentioned in reliable books of history, mentioning that when Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, had completed the mission regarding the claimant of prophethood, Tulayha bin Khawailid Asadi, he turned his attention to the vicinity of Butah and sent out military envoys to the outskirts. In accordance with the guidance and habit of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he instructed them that if they heard the Adhan being called in whatever nation, tribe or community that they were attacking, then they were to refrain from fighting and killing. If the Adhan is not called, then they are to deem it the battlefield and carry out the full military operation. Coincidentally, Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him, was among the battalion which captured Malik bin Nuwayra whom the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had appointed as the leader of Butah and entrusted him with collecting arms from the nearby areas and brought him to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him. Hazrat Abu Qatada, may Allah be pleased with him, testified that he heard the Adhan, but, no, but one person from the battalion said that he did not hear the Adhan. However, prior to this, it had been proven unequivocally through the reliable sources in the neighbouring areas that after hearing news of the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Malik bin Nuwayra and his family greatly celebrated. Women applied henna to their hands, drums were beaten, and they expressed great joy and jubilation as they were happy to see the Muslims endure this difficulty. Furthermore, on an occasion when Malik bin Nuwayra was answering people's questions, he used such language to refer to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which was normally used in conversations by the disbelievers and apostates. In other words, he said, Qala rajulukum sahibukum, meaning one of your men or one of your, of your friends said such and such. Apart from this, it was also discovered that upon hearing about the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Malik bin Duwayra returned wealth already collected in zakat to his people, saying that due to his demise, they were now free from the trouble they had to endure. Under these circumstances and due to the manner in which he had spoken, as a Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, became certain of his apostasy and ordered for him to be killed. When news of this incident reached Medina, Abu Qatada became upset and went to Dar al-Khilafah and laid blame on Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him. Initially, Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, also thought that he was killed unjustly and thus retribution was imperative. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, summoned Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, for an inquiry of the incident, as a result of which the reality of the circumstances and what transpired became clear. Hence, he declared him to be blameless and did not take any disciplinary action against him, restoring him to his original post. Another author writes, with regards to the killing of Malik bin Nuwayra, that there are many discrepancies in the narrations regarding Malik bin Nuwayra. There are varying opinions as to whether he was unjustly killed or whether it was warranted. 
The thing which led to Malik bin Nuwayda's ultimate ruin was his arrogance and apostasy. Ignorance lingered within him, otherwise he would not have deviated in obedience to the Khalifa of the Messenger, may Allah be pleased with him, and offering of zakat to the treasury. He writes, In my estimation, this person desired leadership and rank. At the same time, he had taken issue with some of the chiefs and family members from Banu Tamim, who had pledged obedience to the Islamic Caliphate and paid their dues to the Islamic government. He had taken issue with those who were obedient to Khilafat and offered zakat, etc. Both his words and his actions support this view. His apostasy, support of Sajah, distributing the camels given as zakat, refusal to give zakat to Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and refusal to heed the advice of his relatives and other Muslims against his rebellion and disobedience, all proved his guilt. This clearly shows that as it pertained to Islam, he was closer to disbelief. On the one hand, he called himself a Muslim, or at least desired to, while on the other hand, he was close to disbelief. Had there been no clear evidence or proof against Malik bin Nuwayra, then just the fact that he stopped the offering of zakat would be enough to render him guilty. It is a matter proven among the ancients that he had refused the offering of zakat. This is in Ibn Abdus Salam's book, Tabakat Fuhul al-Shu'ara. It is an agreed-upon matter that Khalid spoke to Malik and tried to dissuade him from his stance. Malik accepted prayer, saying that he could offer prayer, but refused the offering of zakat. In the commentary of Muslim, Imam Nawawi says with regards to the apostates that there were those who accepted zakat and did not stop offering it, but were stopped from doing so by their leaders. There were those who wished to continue offering zakat as this too is obligatory along with the offering of prayers. However, their leaders stopped them from doing so, holding back their hands just like the Bani Yarbur. They gathered their collective zakat and intended to send it to Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. However, Malik bin Nuwayra stopped them and distributed the zakat amongst the people. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, conducted a thorough investigation into the matter of Malik bin Nuwayra and concluded that Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, is not guilty for the murder of Malik bin Nuwayra. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, was more apprised of the situation than others and had deep insight into the matter because he was the Khalifa and all news was conveyed to him. Along with this, his faith was stronger than all others. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, followed the example of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in dealing with Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, because the responsibility given to Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was never taken away from him. Although he may have committed some things that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was not pleased with, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would accept his justification and tell the people not to distress Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, because he is a sword among the swords of Allah the Almighty that he has appointed against the disbelievers. There is another allegation which is made in the same context 
that Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, married the daughter of Umm Tamim Minhal. The allegation made against Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, is that he married Layla bint Minhal during a battle before she was able to complete her waiting period. The details of this marriage are mentioned in Tariq al-Tabari in the following words, Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, married the daughter of Umm Tamim, Minhal, and released her to complete her waiting period. Because the Arabs looked down upon establishing relationships with women during war, and those who did so were reproached. Allama ibn Kathir writes, Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, married her, Layla bint Minhal, that is, only after it became permissible to do so. Allama ibn Khalikan writes, Umm Tamim completed her waiting period of three months, and after that, Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, sent a marriage proposal to her, which she accepted. In rebuttal to this allegation, Hazrat Shah Abdul Aziz Dalvi writes, this whole case has been fabricated because there is no record of it in any reliable and certified book. Narrations of this case can be found in some unreliable sources, but along those narrations, the answer to the allegation is also recorded. It is recorded that Malik bin Nuwayra had divorced that woman a while before that. It is alleged that she was the wife of Malik bin Nuwayra and Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, killed him and married his wife immediately after. And the true intent of killing him was because he desired to marry his wife. Nonetheless, Shah Abdul Aziz Dehlavi has stated that Malik bin Nawaira had divorced that woman a while before that, and due to the ignorance that existed at that time, he kept her in his home needlessly. It was to end this savage tradition that the following verse of the Holy Quran was revealed. That is, when you divorce women and their period of waiting elapses, then do not hold them back and restrict them. In this case, the waiting period of this woman had elapsed well before and it was lawful for her to marry. Her husband had divorced her and merely had her living in his home. In regard to the marriage of Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, another author writes, The name of Ummi Tamim was previously Layla bint Sinan Minhal. She was the wife of Malik bin Nuwayra. A great conflict had arisen and many debates have taken place as a result of Hazrat Khalid may Allah be pleased with his marriage with her. In short, some people levelled a false accusation against Hazrat Khalid may Allah be pleased with him by claiming that he was infatuated by the beauty and elegance of Umm Tamim and had fallen in love with her. Hence, as soon as she came to him as a prisoner, he could not wait and married her. Therefore, they claim this is not a marriage but in fact adultery, God forbid. However, the fact is that this claim is completely fabricated and there is no truth to it whatsoever and cannot be considered authentic. The historic sources do not even remotely make any reference to this and there is not a single piece of evidence that can prove this. That is, there is not a single narration or source. Allama Mawardi states that Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, killed Malik bin Nuwayra because he had stopped the zakat as a result of which the death penalty had become lawful. Moreover, his nikah with Umm Tamim had become annulled. And there is a commandment of the Sharia with regards to the wives of the apostates that when they enter the battlefield, they shall be imprisoned and not killed. Imam Saraksi has also alluded to this. When Umm Tamim came as a prisoner, Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, chose to marry her 
and only when it was lawful for him, he engaged in marital relations with her. Further expounding upon this, Sheikh Ahmed states that Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, took Umm Tamim as a prisoner of war. And for such women, the prescribed period of iddat, a period of time where a woman cannot marry, does not apply. If she comes in a state whereby she is pregnant, then until she delivers her child, it is unlawful for one in whose possession she is to go near her. If she is not expecting, then he only has to wait until her menstrual cycle. This is lawful and permissible, and no one can object to anyone for this or level any criticism. However, the opponents of Khalid may Allah be pleased with him took advantage of this situation and falsely claimed that Malik bin Nuwayra was a Muslim and Khalid may Allah be pleased with him had killed him in order to take his wife. Thus, an allegation was leveled against Hazrat Khalid may Allah be pleased with him that through his marriage to Umm Tamim, he went against the traditions and practices of the Arabs. Uqad states that Khalid may Allah be pleased with him killed Malik bin Nuwayra and married his wife while still in the battlefield which was against the traditions in the era of Jahiliyyah and the Arabs and also against Islam and the practices of the Muslims and the Islamic Sharia. This statement of Uqad is completely untrue. Prior to Islam, there were many occasions whereby the Arabs, after defeating the opponents in war, would marry their women and they would take great pride in this. In relation to this, Dr. Ali Muhammad Sallabi also narrated this incident and stated that in accordance to the Sharia, Hazrat Khalid may Allah be pleased with him acted lawfully. This action of his is also proven by the one who was even loftier than him. If Khalid may Allah be pleased with him is accused of marrying someone whilst the battle was still ongoing or immediately after, then the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him also married, married Juwairiyah binti Harith immediately after the Battle of Al-Murasiyah and she proved to be a great source of blessings for her people. Owing to this marriage, 100 men from her tribe were set free because they now had relations with the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him through his marriage. Another blessed impact of this marriage was that her father, Harith bin Dirar, became a Muslim. Similarly, immediately after the Battle of Khaybar, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, married Safiya bint Akhtab. Thus, when we have the example of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him before us, then there is no question of any criticism or accusation against Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him. The reason why I have mentioned these details is because even nowadays certain people who have little knowledge raise the question and in actual fact, raise an allegation against Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, in that Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, was correct, and that God forbid, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, did not act with justice and incorrectly supported Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, made this decision after assessing all the details and absolved Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, from any blame. With regards to Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, setting off towards Yamama, it is stated that Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, had commanded Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, that once he had seen to the tribes of Asad and Ghatafan, and also Malik bin Nuwara, etc., he emphasized that he must head towards Yamama. 
Sharik bin Abda Fuzari narrates, I was among those who participated in the battle of Buzakha. I came to Hazrat Babakar, may Allah be pleased with him, and he instructed me to join Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him. With me was a letter addressed to Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him. In the letter it was written, I received your letter through your messenger, in which you spoke of the victory you achieved through Allah's support and help at Buzakha. And also you mentioned your dealings with the tribes of Asad and Ghatafan. You wrote that you were now heading towards your mama. I advise you that you must fear Allah, the one who has no partner, and show kindness to the Muslims that are with you. You ought to deal with them like a father. O Khalid, beware of the conceit and arrogance of the Bani Mughira. Although I would never reject their plea, I have not accepted their statement regarding you. Hence, when you line up against the Banu Hanifa, be on your guard. Remember, until today you have not come up against an enemy the like of Banu Hanifa. All of them are against you, and the land is vast. Therefore, when you reach there, you ought to take command of the army yourself. Appoint someone to command the right and left flanks, and also a commander for the cavalry. Seek counsel at all times from the pre-eminent Muhajireen and Ansar companions who are with you, and recognize and honor their status. When the enemy is ready and lined up in rows in the battlefield, attack them with full vigor, an arrow for an arrow, a spear for a spear, and a sword for a sword. Take the prisoners with the use of the sword. Strike fear and despair into the enemy through death. Burn them. Be warned, do not disobey me. Peace be upon you. When this letter reached Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, he read it and then said, We hear and we shall obey every single command. Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, prepared alongside the Muslims and the Banu Hanifa, i.e. Musaylama, or the tribe who Musaylama was leading and set off to fight against them. Ansar bin Thabit and Qais bin Shammas was appointed as the commander of the Ansar. Whoever from among the apostates they encountered on the way were punished severely. At the same time, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, dispatched a formidable army, equipped with the best of arms, in order to safeguard the rear of Hazrat Khalid's army, so that nobody could attack Hazrat Khalid's army from the rear. On the way to Yamama, Hazrat Khalid, may Allah be pleased with him, encountered many Bedouin tribes who had become apostates. He fought against them and brought them back into the fold of Islam. On the way, he encountered the scattered army of Sajah and dealt with them, i.e. he killed them and made them a lesson. He then launched an attack on Yamama. The details of the Battle of Yamama will be mentioned in Alhamdulillah, <laughs> 